Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Hello, good morning. This is Ken Murray and welcome to The Michael Reed Show. Coming up, Minister of State and Fine Gael TD for me, the East, Helen McEntee, will be in studio. The Irish anti-war movement will be calling for a public debate on Irish neutrality. Green Party candidate in Mead West, Dr. Seamus McMenamin, will be in studio. We also talk to John Malone of Renua, a candidate in Mead West. We hear about the twin boys in Trim who will go to the same school uh, after being told that they would have to go their separate ways. Breeds Quinn, mother of Paul Quinn, will speak to us later on. The Mayor of Drogheda, Paul Bell, and Sinn Féin Councillor Joanna Byrne will discuss social housing policy. An independent candidate in Loudy Smith, David Bradley, will also join us in studio. That's coming up between now and 11am right here on The Michael Reed Show. And if you do want to get in touch, our phone number is 1850-715-958. Our text or WhatsApp number is 086-1800-658. Well, as you know, there are now just two full days to go before polling in the general election. And if the opinion polls are anything to go by, the signs are that we will have a new Taoiseach in the coming weeks. However, that carries the proverbial health warning because we don't know at this stage what way the numbers will go. Support for Fianna Fáil is up, while Fine Gael finds itself in third place behind Sinn Féin, according to the Ipsos MRBI Irish Times poll published earlier this week. I'm joined in studio by Helen McEntee, who is Minister for European Affairs, and Fine Gael TD for Me the East. And I know it's been a difficult week uh, for you, Helen, with the passing of your grandmother, so I'm uh, grateful that you've uh, come into us this morning. OK, first of all, let's, uh, let's get down to business. Um, the opinion polls are indicating a strong desire for change. Why do you think that is so? Well, I mean, obviously, we'd like to maybe see ourselves slightly higher on on the opinion polls. I think even with two days to go, it's still all to play for. And I think a lot of people, even as recently as this morning, I was at Gormanston train station, you know, people are still making up their minds. People are still uh, looking at the issues that matter to them most. And I think, you know, people say that they want change. And I think... Uh, Fine Gael has led that change in the past nine years. I was only looking at figures uh, myself in the last few days when I was first elected. And, and even if you look at the last election where I was campaigning, people still weren't working. The issues that people faced were finding jobs, making sure they had enough money to pay rent. Um, now we have seen our unemployment figures in Meath drop by about 61% and I think our youth unemployment even higher than that. So the challenges that now come with that, and I think 
you know, I keep it to, to me than looking at the, the issues that people are facing now. They want to see that their specific areas, that whether it's their work or their jobs, whether it's our school secretaries, whether it's our young teachers, whether it's our childcare workers who were right yesterday, that the benefits of people being back at work, that we're now investing in them, that we're now supporting them as workers, that we're now helping them get to work in a quick manner, in a timely, efficient way through uh, our roads network and that we're making sure uh, that they're able to afford childcare and do all of the, the, the things that they should do. Sure, so I think when people say change, they, they, they want the issues that are now a concern to them, which are, sure, and I take that, very different to three or four years ago. Okay, but... Uh, they, they want us to be able to invest sure, in them, sure. and I believe that we can, and we have been the party for change. Sure, the economy is booming, right? Um, I think we've got the highest number of people at work ever in the history of the state. Yes. Unemployment's at around 4.7%. Yes. I think you had a budget surplus, was it for the last two years? Uh, on paper, you people should be sailing high in the opinion polls, but the public are saying that despite the fact that there is a boom, a certain layer of Irish society is benefiting from this boom, but the people at the bottom, if you like, uh, are not benefiting at all. Haven't you failed to look after that cohort of people? Absolutely not. Uh, And I think what we've always tried to do, and and you're right in saying that, it's only in the last two years we've had a budget surplus. We're aiming for about 3.6 billion of a surplus this year. It's taken seven years to be able to say we're now taking in more money than we're spending, which wasn't the case for seven years. What we've tried to do with that money that we now have, we've increased the minimum wage for six years in a row. It's now a ten euro ten cent. Uh, that's Finnegale who's increased it for six years in a row. We've now made sure that anybody uh, who is on the minimum wage and is working full time won't have to pay the USC. We're also now trying to make sure that anybody who is working, who wants to do a bit of extra time, who possibly might be getting a wage increase in the next number of years, that they will no longer fall into the higher rate of tax, uh, which at the moment is at 35,000, which is to me absolutely crazy that anybody earning 35,000 would have to pay the higher rate of tax. Sure, but just let me stop you there. I mean, it's one thing having people working and enjoying a higher minimum wage. In fact, I think the uh, Irish minimum wage is the second highest in Europe. But that all counts for very little if People are being absolutely fleeced with ridiculous rents, which in some cases cost more than a mortgage. They're paying exorbitant childcare costs. Uh, They're paying uh, additional costs to get children to go to school, whether it's school books or school transport. Uh, The bottom line is people feel that they have less money in their pocket, despite what you say is an economic boom. And just to touch on a couple of things that you've mentioned there, all of these are issues that we are addressing. So for me, the only way that you bring down the cost of rent is by building more houses and by making more available to people. Uh, We know that for a lot of people, as you've said, it's cheaper to actually pay a mortgage than it is to actually pay your rent. That's why we've introduced uh, the the first time uh, buyers scheme where you have an ability for buyers to receive money back based on the tax that they've already paid. And about 16,000 householders have gained from that. We're now going to extend that and to increase the amount of money they can receive back from 20 to 30,000. We now know that we're building houses eventually. And and again, to go back to the fact that it's only in the last two years we've had the money to invest. We saw 21,000 houses built last year. Our target for this year, and this is not the Department of uh, Housing or Owen Murphy's target. This is based uh, on figures from the central bank. It will be about 24,000. So those younger people who we are either trying to rent, whether it's student accommodation or otherwise, the more houses we have on the market, the cheaper the rent is. But also this scheme, I believe, will allow more people to, 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 to look at properly owning their own home and actually getting in that position. You talk about school children, transport, I think an extra 
million was added on to the already quite significant budget for school transport last year. We've uh, started mm-hmm. a new free book scheme, a, a pilot scheme, but something which I know our Minister for Education, I was only speaking to this morning, wants to extend beyond what's there. So there's a lot of challenges that we face and, and around childcare. And, and, you know, I say this with somebody whose sister works in childcare. I know how hard our childcare workers work. I know that they should be paid more, but at the same time, I know parents want to be able to pay less. Fine Gael is the only party who has actually started a process and a system to try and figure out what is the best system that we can have for childcare workers, but also for our families and those who need yeah, to pay we, for it. And, and we, we started that process back in September, but we've also pledged 400 million in our manifesto to not just work on that, but to make sure that, I suppose, the costs come down for, yes, for, but, but, for others as well. Yeah, only this week we had teachers uh, from the TUI out on protest. We've had childcare workers uh, protesting. We had a nurse's strike some time back. Uh, there's anger within the Defence Forces. There's a lot of unhappy guard. They, they feel that despite this boom, that Fine Gael in office has looked after the rich and the wealthy in society and they've turned a blind eye and a deaf ear uh, to those, if you like, struggling at the bottom. Isn't that the case? No, and, and I don't accept that. I do accept that people are struggling and I do accept that there are very valid concerns, again, as I've said, whether it's our nurses, whether it's our younger teachers who... Uh, should have pay parity and who I hope uh, we've given that commitment that talks would would essentially start immediately uh, on the new pay talks and that uh, we would hopefully be able to start implementing it from January next year. So again, that would impact not just on our younger teachers, but many across the board. Uh, You know, as I said earlier, we have our school secretaries. This is an issue that was uh, brought to my attention at the beginning of last year by one woman. And obviously we've seen how it's impacting people across the board. They want a change in status and we are 100% committed uh, to the process that they're now involved in with the WRC. But I think all the other parties just giving a blanket commitment to absolutely everybody, saying we will give everybody everything that they want and we will give it to them now, will cost above and beyond what we actually have. So we have to do it in a planned manner, but we have to accept that these people uh, should get their pay rises, they should get change in status, they should get uh, what it is that they're looking for, but how can we do it and how can we do it in a way that is actually uh, feasible and where we have the finances Uh, to be able to continue it and that we don't have to suddenly uh, claw back in in a couple of years' time. Okay, Uh, this week uh, the Irish Times Ipsos MOBI poll uh, revealed that Sinn Féin is more popular with voters than Fine Gael. Let me put this to you. Would you accept that the conduct of Maria Bailey, Dara Murphy... Charlie Flanagan's plans to commemorate the black and tans, which some people feel was rather insensitive and hurtful, particularly where uh, grandparents uh, suffered at the hands of the black and tans. And Catherine Noon's gaffe, where she described uh, Leo Varadkar as autistic and being on the spectrum. How much of a PR disaster have their actions been uh, for Fine Gael in terms of presenting an image of a party that's either insensitive or completely out of touch with the feelings of ordinary people? Well, two of those people that you've mentioned are not on the Fine Gael ticket. Um, sure. And I think the Taoiseach has been very clear but on that. But the Fine Gael brand, if you like, suffered. Well, all you can do is act decisively and I think the Taoiseach, who is always willing and open to giving people a second chance or to making sure that people have a fair hearing, two of those, Maria Bailey and Dara Murphy, they are not on the ticket, they are not running for Fine Gael and they are not representing Fine Gael. Catherine Noon was already on the ticket, this was halfway through the campaign. I, I said myself very publicly that I thought her remarks 
were completely unacceptable and she had to apologise not just to the Taoiseach but to the to the community as well. She has done that and, and really I think it's the people in her own constituency who will decide whether or not she is genuine in her apology and what she said. Uh, in terms of the other event and the other issue, you know, uh, there was never for a second any suggestion that we would be commemorating the black and tans. I do think there should have been more consultation. Uh, but you that know, suggests but I, I also a party had that's out of touch, that didn't, if you like, treat this with the sensitivity it required. Well, I, I don't think so. I mean, I've had just as many people on to me about that issue who say that their grandfathers, their granduncles, their great-grandparents were members of the RIC, that they accepted this was to commemorate them, people who were... Irish people who were Catholic, people who served with distinction for their entire life. But, you know, again, I think the minister was right to uh, to stop the event. I think, you know, he said that it will need more consultation. And, and I think we're not afraid to accept when we have made mistakes, that when we have done things wrong, we hold up our hands and we say, OK, we'll do that differently. And that's a sign, I think, of somebody okay. and a party who are willing to listen and who are willing to, to change when people say that they want change. OK, we have a few more questions uh, to go before we wrap it up. There's been reports of, if you like, a row between the Helen McEntee camp and the Regina Doherty camp over, if you like, um, your people straying into Regina Doherty's territory, I think in Dunboyne. Uh, are the reports correct? Well, this happens every election time and we hear reports and somebody went here and somebody went there from both sides. Uh, we have always agreed a divide. It was the same at the last election. Uh, the boundary is always opened in the last week as it was at the last election. Um, it's open this week. Um, and so my focus is to try and make sure that I win my seat, but also that Regina Doherty wins her seat. Because as far as I'm concerned, if we can't return uh, two seats here in me, these, then obviously it makes it much more difficult for us to return to government. I believe that we can. Um, and that's my goal and my objective. There's always reports, but we have stuck to and I have stuck to any commitments that were made. Uh, and my intention now in, in the two days that is left is to make sure that we get as many voters out, Fine Gael voters, but also those who are still undecided. And I do believe that there are a lot of undecided out there uh, who, who will spend the next day or two uh, deciding who they want to okay, represent. Okay, uh, you've been Minister of State for European Affairs since 2016, a very delicate time for the future of Ireland's relationship with the EU and the relationship with the UK and so on. So you've spent a lot of time uh, over and back to Brussels and so on, and your focus has been on uh, trying to get the best deal. And some people would feel that even though there is a new arrangement in place and it doesn't at the moment, severely impact on trade between Ireland and the UK. Uh, you've spent so much time on that. Uh, one might ask, what have you done for me, the East, in the last four years? Well, you know, I think I've managed very well to be able to split my time between whether it's Brussels or other European countries. Uh, and I've done a lot of travelling, yes, and my role has required me to do a lot of travelling. But I think what I've done in the last four years in particular, and, and this is what I've really grown to, to see as being the most important thing in my job is I've worked with communities, uh, whether that's working on smaller local issues within uh, places like Slane or the town of Kells where I have my office, whether it's working on projects, everything from the Greenway where we're now making progress, which is going from Kingscourt to Navan, whether it's making sure that we are having houses built in County Meath and we've had the third highest rate of houses when we look at rebuilding Ireland in this county alone. Uh, that includes private and social as well. Uh, I've continued, and this is one issue, to work on pyrite 
or even since uh, the introduction of the pirate mediation scheme, which my own father was instrumental and I've worked on since, we have since managed to adapt and change the scheme so that even more people are included in it. So it's everything from the everyday community issues, making sure there's funding for roads and footpaths and lighting, to actually making sure we're working on projects like the upgrading of the N2 at Kilmoon, Flame Bypass and many others as well, where there is, despite what people might think, €400,000 was allocated this year alone to appoint the design team to start planning and upgrading of that road. And I know people don't see it now because they're still sitting in traffic. I sit in that very traffic myself. But progress has been made and a project like this takes a number of years. Okay, Helen. But, but, but we're a few years into that now and hopefully we will see okay, progress in, soon. In one minute, a one minute wrap. Why should people vote for Helen McEntee on Saturday? Since elected seven years ago, I have seen an utter transformation of this county. Um, And I'll say this over and over again. We have seen unemployment drop by 61% in this county in the last uh, nine years. We are now facing challenges that come with that type of an increase uh, of people back working. We need to make sure that we have the right people around the table. I think Fine Gael is the only party who can be trusted to manage this country's economy and only if we have a stable economy can we invest in all of the other areas like our infrastructure, like our public uh, servants and our health sector, uh, like our childcare and our workers and all of those uh, who now deserve to see the huge benefits of, uh, I suppose, the the economy being back on track and I feel that I am part of that team that will be able to deliver that. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Helen McEntee, Minister of State for European Affairs, Fine Gael TD for me these t- thanks very much indeed for joining us okay more to come we'll take a break Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM and if you do want to get in touch our phone number is 1850 715 958 our text or WhatsApp number is 086 658 now the Irish anti-war movement held a press conference yesterday uh, in Dublin in which they are calling for a public debate on Irish neutrality and they're calling on voters to vote for candidates uh, that who want to reclaim Irish neutrality. This has been a contentious issue down through the years because of our alignment with the US government, uh, the use of Shannon Airport for the transportation of troops en route to other locations around the world, and it would appear that neutrality is a case of uh, it all depends how you view it. Well, to discuss this further, I'm joined now on the line by Jim Roach, who is the PRO uh, of the Steering Committee of the Irish Anti-War Movement. Uh, good morning, Jim. Jim, you want a good debate. Morning, Thanks for talking to me. Sure. You want a debate on what you call uh, a drive to reclaim Irish neutrality. Are you seriously suggesting that we're not neutral anymore? Uh, I'm afraid so. Uh, I, I think our neutrality has been totally eroded, particularly since uh, 2001, when uh, uh, the US invaded Afghanistan and then subsequently invaded Iraq, along with others, in uh, 2003, and allowed uh, the use of Shannon to, to be used to transport and re- refuel airplanes, but the, the, the primary difference with what was happening up to that up to that point is that armed troops were allowed to come through Shannon and they're, they're, they stop, they get off and they, they come out into the lounge. So you have soldiers with arms, there's other weaponry, there's even been a, a claim by a former US soldier that the piece of uranium has been on some of the planes that uh, have passed through. So, okay, so, l- 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 yeah, yeah, but yeah. Just, 
Yeah, let me put this question to you because uh, I was a political correspondent in Leinster House in 2001 when the 9-11 attacks happened in New York and uh, Washington, D.C. And there was a feeling then that the Western world was under threat from, uh, if you like, uh, Islamic terrorists. And all Western countries, those that are, if you like, uh, classed as neutral, they all club together to fight the war on terror. If the objective at the end of the day is to save the West from uh, the creation of uh, what they call a caliphate or an Islamic world. Uh, Why is it wrong then that we align ourselves with the Americans and the British if the ultimate goal is to save Western society uh, from extermination by Islamic terrorists? Well, okay, there's a lot there, Ken. First of all, to say 9-11 was a horrific crime. We've always acknowledged that. It was a crime against humanity. Uh, um, something had to be done in terms of perhaps what what the US could have done then, and and Britain and others was to uh, re-examine their foreign policies and their and their policies, uh, particularly in the Middle East, that has caused so much carnage even up to that point. So uh, the 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 wrong thing to do was to start these wars. Uh, and by the way, what the, they were not approved by the, the the war in Iraq was not approved by the UN. Uh, so it was, in every sense, an illegal and immoral war, uh, and absolutely Ireland should not be supporting it anyway. And officially, we're not supporting it; we're neutral officially. But of course, we are support. We are complicit in it by allowing uh, the US to use Shannon as a, effectively a, a de facto military base. So uh, that's that's the problem. Uh, I, I think that the way you've described it there is quite alarmist. Uh, uh, I. I in in uh, another way to look at it is, is what has happened since 2011 and particularly since 2003 with, with the invasion of, of, of Iraq is that it, it has created that situation where the likelihood of uh, and the the rise in Islamic f- fundamentalism was more prominent simply because of what they did. So th- there were other ways to go about it, uh, um, and. Uh, the best ways, in my view. Sure, Jim, but uh, I have to put this question to you. Look, look, no, no, look, fine, go ahead. Yeah, l- let's be real here. Let's cut through the fog and get straight to the point. We are a small country. I think the population of Chicago City is bigger than that of the island of Ireland. We rely on the US for investment. We rely on uh, the US for support. The US got involved in the Irish peace process back in 1992 and it's benefited Ireland and there's a long relationship between Ireland and the US. the point I'm saying to you is, doesn't it suit us as a country to be neutral when it suits us, but to be non-aligned when it suits us? Yeah, there there is that kind of sceptical view put out there. But look, I I agree we are a small country, and, and the, the population figure, of course, is probably true. But um, at the same time, we we uh, kick above our weight or, or above our size, if you like, in the international stage. And I think we would send a message to the world that w- war is destroying people's lives. Uh, it's destroying U.S. soldiers' lives as much as the people that have been killed in the Middle East. And it is also destroying the planet. And it, this has to stop. You know, it's an inv- absolutely an environmental disaster. So uh, th- there are other reasons why we need to reclaim our neutrality, and p- particularly with the whole climate change agenda now. Um, and if I may, I've just been reading a report done b- by the U.S. Army itself 
called Implications for Climate Change for the U.S. Army by the U.S. Army College. And the, like, the figures they give are, are absolutely incredible. Like, the, their overall conclusion is the, the Army is an environmental Okay, disaster. but uh, climate change and neutrality are sort of two different issues. The point I'm no, saying... Well, uh, I, I would like to link them, though, with all due respect. Yeah, but... Uh, anyway, go, go ahead. Yeah, no, the point I'm making to you is, look, we're a small country and, uh, you know, we have to be aligned with the West if our society, our culture is under attack. And it's... Okay, it's but, but it's hold, not... Hold on there, Ken. Now. Who, who, who is saying our culture is under attack? I mean, 9-11 wasn't necessarily about our culture being under, under attack. It was, it was a particularly targeted and horrific act of, of criminality. Very briefly, yeah. But, but uh, you know, to, to, to be, like, that was the George Bush line, our culture is under attack. And it's also been sure. in line with, with the, the, the various terrorist uh, acts that have occurred. What, what about the people who live in Afghanistan, Iraq, and, and other countries? What do they feel when uh, a wedding party gets bombed by a U.S. drone or a group, okay. of, uh, a group of fruit pickers are, are, sure. are bombed? I hear what you're saying, Jim. Like, like happened last September, young people okay, Jim. are picking fruit, their first job, and they get bombed by a U.S. drone. Okay, Jim, I'm going to have to stop it there because uh, the clock is against it. But basically, you're calling on voters to vote for candidates that, uh, if you like, want to reclaim Irish neutrality. We're going to have to leave it there, Jim, because we've got another call to go to. But it's something we will return to at some stage in the future. Okay, moving on. This is what I call um, an unpleasant story that now has a happy ending. And it relates to two twin boys over in Trim. They uh, applied, well, their parents applied to get them a place in the Boyne Community School in Trim, and a situation emerged where one of the twins was accepted, the other was rejected. Well, I do believe there's been a happy ending, and uh, Adrie O'Dee, who is the mother of Keen and Aidan O'Dee, joins me on the line right now. Good morning, Adrie. Hi, Ken. How are you doing? Thanks very much. Okay, talk us through what happened here. Um, well, in, traditionally, um, the boys... Um, in St. Michael's National School, transitioned to the Boyan. Um, unfortunately, they had issues with oversubscription, and that led to a situation where they employ, um, they used a lottery system to n- nominate pe- children for places in the school. Through that, my one lad got in, and the other man was placed on number nine, um, 95 on the waiting list. So there was a quite distressful situation for us where there was um, one child in the school and another was not accepted and we didn't apply anywhere else. Sure. Um, so we were a bit, it was a very stressful situation. There were 89 children on the waiting list initially, which, you know, came down, but we were still stuck with about 36, 35, 36 children at the end without any places for September starting school. So we were we were canvassing and we were trying to raise awareness as parents for our children. Um, and we were lucky enough to get the call on Monday late afternoon saying that all the children who were still on the waiting list have been accommodated within the Boyne National, um, sorry, Boyne Community School for start of September. So uh, very, very briefly, Adri, because we're up against the clock, we have a load of items to get in. Uh, how are Keen and Aidan feeling about the fact now that they can both attend uh, the Boyne Community School in Trim together? Well, Aidan has been sidelined through the whole process, so I think it's just, and Keen hasn't been able to enjoy the whole prospect of uh, secondary and the transition, so 
it's great to have them both now on the same page and that we can all move forward as a family. Um, and for all their friends as well, who've been waiting, you know, and wondering what's going to happen, everybody can now start to look forward okay. to this new phase in their life. So we're delighted. Okay, we're going to leave it there. That's Adri O'D with that story, uh, which is indeed an ongoing story around the country where there's an oversubscription for certain schools that do not have uh, enough places. It's something we definitely will return to again. Okay, more uh, items to come in, on the programme. We'll take a break. Michael Reed on LMFM. OK, we're back again. Dr Seamus McMenamin is the Green Party candidate in the Meath West constituency. And with climate change, the global issue of the moment, he's hopeful that voters will back his party's proposals to increase its representation in the next doll. Uh, thanks very much indeed, uh, Dr McMenamin, for coming in to us. Uh, let's start with the Green Manifesto. It says the current system of social welfare payments should be reformed. Why so and what exactly is the Green Party proposing? Well, um, uh, there's uh, basically we're looking at uh, there are different models of universal basic income. So really, this is uh, what we're looking at. Um, and we're also uh, looking to reform the, the pension to try and um, address some of the issues that have come up recently in the campaign. So so universal basic income is the, the concept that um, rather than uh, giving people job seekers or disability benefit or any of the 40 various benefits that are out there, that we just say, look, it costs more to police these things than you actually save because very few people actually uh, commit fraud on, on social welfare, though the perception is uh, always created that it's, it's a bigger problem. But um, actually, when you, you look at it, um, the cost of policing and checking and requiring people to come and sign on and all of these things and having someone there to sign them on, actually, you could actually save money by just saying, um, OK, we're going to give everyone the same basic universal income and then if they choose to work, if they choose to generate income by starting a small business, that they have some uh, fallback if things don't work out. So it encourages people to be more entrepreneurial. And also um, that people uh, will, as as they move through different stages of their life, have that guarantee so it reduces inequality. Um, it's been trialled in various parts of Scandinavia. There are various models of it and we're proposing to... Um, explore and pilot a model in sure. uh, and, uh, on, and look at the see my sonnets that we know that it is effective and will work. Okay, uh, you're saying in your manifesto that something like one million Irish homes are heated by oil-fired central heating mm. and you want to phase out these boilers. Yes. Uh, how much is that going to cost and more to the point, who is going to pay for it? Well, um, we between public and private provision, if you look at, the, the, there's about 100 billion spent per year annually on um, insulating and uh, refurbishing houses. So we're proposing to try and uh, direct 2% of that, which equates about 2.5 billion a year. So over 20 years, it is going to cost money. It's going to cost 50 billion. Um, but we will see downstream savings because obviously if your house is well insulated, you won't have to, to buy the fuel. So from that point of view... And, and what do you heat your out. house with? Well, we're look, there are pilot projects in Dublin which look at, at passive housing and which need very little uh, heating. Or no, I know there's, some, there's, there's one particular project with 20 houses for older people in Dublin where a lot of the people didn't have to put on any heating because they're so well insulated. But actually heat pumps would be the way because there's no com- combustion involved. So we think that, that that is where, if you look at the way the SEAI grants are going... You can't get a grant now for any type of boiler that has combustion in it, it's, it, but you can get a grant for getting a heat pump. But it is going to take time. We have to increase the number of apprenticeships, so we actually have the workers to do this because we don't have the workers there at the minute. We think in terms of the just transition and looking at 
uh, workers in Bordemona and ESB, this could be an area where we could have some retraining and, and generate income in, in areas of the country that sure. aren't dependent on the big cities for okay. uh, Le- commuting for work. Let me move on. Um, the Green Party seems obsessed with having public transport everywhere, but I'd put it to you that that's all very fine if you live in an urban area like Dublin, Cork, Limerick or Galway and wherever. But if you live in a rural area like Courtown or Longwood or Bohemian uh, in County Mead, the sight of a bus, like, it's a once in a blue moon affair. How mm. do you provide public transport to rural Ireland when, in fact, some private operators don't go there because it's simply not worth their while? Well, uh, our, uh, you have to look at a mix because, you know, not everyone is going to live near a rail line, not everyone's going to live near, a, you know, an expressway bus service. So, well, we plan to increase funding to Local Link uh, to try and improve some of those uh, areas. Um, you know, there will be some people who will be dependent on cars. And, you know, I know my, my parents are one of them. They're not going to have any, they live in quite a rural area. So that, then, you know, electric cars are kind of where the, the industry is going. And uh, I think that's probably where some people end up. But I think if we increase uh, funding to Local Link, if we look at improving the bus service for everyone, we'd, we'd use two-thirds of Department of Transport sure. funding for well, public transport. OK, just a few more questions because yeah. we're heading up to news. Uh, you want to increase carbon tax, and I'd put it to you that increases in carbon tax won't actually change human habits, but if anything, it'll simply make people poorer. Isn't that the case? Well, we've signed up, all parties really, uh, 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 though some are demurring from it, have signed up to uh, the the concept of polluter pays, but we actually propose a carbon tax dividend, which is different from the other parties. So what we said is you can't punish people who can't make choices. So rather than taking that money into the general exchequer, we would uh, return that money to the people in the, for, in the form of a dividend, which would actually help people in lower incomes. They'd get a slight net benefit. People in the middle would break even. They wouldn't lose money. And people in higher incomes would have a, a net loss. And we think that's the fair way to do it until we have the alternatives for people. OK, you're a GP in Navin, and yeah. uh, Navin is a pretty busy town, but uh, there are problems elsewhere in the GP profession. How bad are they? Uh, 70% of practices uh, across the country are uh, close to new entrants, uh, to new patients. We have patients commuting to us from Mullingar, from Cavan, from Dublin, because when they move away from Navin, they can't get GPs in their new areas. And we know that there are people living in Navin who are commuting to Dublin to see their doctor. So we have a not just a case where 80% of people are commuting for work, people are now commuting for healthcare. And I think in rural areas it's going to be found um, uh, first. Uh, we know that there's uh, even in, there's a town in Meath where one of the GPs is retiring and there's no one to replace them. So things are in a bad way. Mm. Just one final question before I ask you to wrap yeah. it up. I think one of the proposals from the Green Party, which uh, caused some excitement in my house, is that you're looking at abolishing school homework. I mean, is this a real runner? Well, if you look at countries like Finland, which are seen as one of the leaders in terms of education, um, they, they for primary school, certainly they don't have homework. Um, they, off, they have later school starting ages. There's, there's differences there that we won't be replicating. But certainly we've, we propose to look at it. There's some evidence emerging that it may not be as beneficial as was thought. And really, rather than doing things just because we've always done them that way, we'd like to look at the evidence and see is this worthwhile or not. And certainly my own daughters would be delighted if we got that one over the line. Absolutely, yes. Uh, just finally, uh, Dr. McMenamin, in one minute, tell us why people in Mead West should vote for you on Saturday. Well, I think um, people realise that we have a very short window to take action on climate change and a lot of the other parties are good at talking about it but not good at doing very much about it. Um, I think there, you know, there's a school strike coming up on Friday so we see that the young people are very, are very worried about their future. 
we're seeing a lot of grandparents come to us worried about uh, their grandchildren's future. And I suppose the difference between us and the other parties is we're going to actually take action. We're going to work on improving quality of life. We don't see people as uh, units of work in the economy. We see them as a people who live in a society. And if you believe in those values, then I'd ask you to give me your number one vote on Saturday. OK, Dr. Seamus McMenamin, Green Party candidate in Mead West. Thanks very much indeed for coming into us. OK, more to come. We'll take a break. Michael Reed on LMFM. Right then, you've been busy on the phones and the text machine this morning. So, Marie, what are people saying today? Well, reaction about everything, as you can imagine, uh, Ken. First up, uh, a nice phone call from Deborah from County Meath, who says that she's not usually a Finn Gale supporter. She kind of, she kind of votes just different all the time, but says that she has been uh, very impressed with Helen McEntee. Uh, in her role in Europe. She feels that she's a very good role model for particularly young girls who may be interested in politics and just feels that she has been impressive and says that as well as working abroad so much, she has also been on the ground in Meath, which is also very important. And she wishes her the best of luck in the election. Frank from Kells uh, says that Fine Gael is listening to the interview. Biggest mistake he feels was underestimating the level of despair that's out there over housing and people just struggling to either rent or to get themselves a home. That there's so many people on the streets and nobody wants to see that. And feels that Fine Gael refused to listen to those who were affected and also to those who are working at the coal phase dealing with homeless people. He feels that the Taoiseach stood by a minister, his friend, who just hasn't delivered and feels that that will come back to haunt them on Saturday. Okay, that view is, uh, I think, echoed by a lot of people, yeah. Uh, Joe from Navin feels that Sinn Féin is not getting a fair whack on your show. Uh, uh, Says that why are we going to be interviewing Breach Quinn later on, that she's all over the place. Well, it is a running new story. I mean, uh, you know, all media are on this and uh, Sinn Féin and the Republican movement have questions to answer. And anyway, we'll be talking to Breach Quinn very shortly. That's right. And it's not just now that we were interviewing Breach Quinn. We interviewed her in October. We've interviewed her on a regular basis on this show over the last number of years. Sticking with Sinn Féin, uh, Declan was in touch to, to say it's unfortunate that Sinn Féin haven't run more candidates in this election because if the polls are right, they could win enough seats to form a government if they had more candidates running. And who decided on the number of candidates and why haven't they got uh, more candidates running? Is it that they don't have enough people at council level? I think it's 42 candidates that are running. That's right. And um, I think, from what I heard on another radio programme, the, the figure was determined by an assessment of the performance in the local elections, uh, the European elections, and indeed uh, the presidential election. And uh, the figures are based on their own assessment of how the votes will go. I think the polls probably have taken the Sinn Féin party by surprise, really, indeed. when you look at the performance in the local elections. Uh, why vote for Sinn Féin, says Margaret, if they are going into government with one of the bigger parties? So that's not change, says Margaret, if you're going to get more of the same. 
Okay, that's it then for the moment? Yeah, well, I might come back in in a little yeah, while. Yeah, absolutely. Or... Okay, we'll keep those texts and calls coming in. Our phone number is 1850-715-958 and our text or WhatsApp number is 086-1800-658. Okay, we're going to move on right now. And uh, as you know, the Renewer Party, which was founded five years ago, is fielding a number of candidates around the country, despite the fact that the party does not have a leader. John Malone is running for Renewer in Mead West. He's based in Oldcastle and he joins me on the line right now. Uh, John, I think we had you in uh, on a previous programme and uh, I'll put this question to you again, that if somebody stopped you on the street in Oldcastle or Ballinlock or wherever and said to you, what does Renewer stand for? What would you say? Well, Renewer uh, Ireland uh, uh, stands for uh, the renewal of the uh, the towns and villages in Mead West, which have been neglected by the parties that uh, now are uh, have been in power, and uh, the Sinn Féin party, which has uh, apparently Im- 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 improved in the opinion polls, but in the opinion polls, uh, I think that um, the lack of renewal and perhaps aim to and some other independent type parties that are pro-life etc are not getting a fair crack of the whip in other words um uh, we're, we're kind of like also rans and i think uh, we should be sort of supported by the media a bit more than we have been because choice is very important as regards the political situation and the same parties going getting all this support and this uh, these polls uh, I think they have to be called into question because uh, it's not given other independent parties a chance. Well, we can deal with that later on, but let's deal with your great big plan to, if you like, renew, and there's a pun in there somewhere, uh, life in rural towns and villages. If Renewa got into government, if you had somebody at the cabinet table, what would you do to bring life back into rural towns and villages, which a lot of which, particularly in the West, are going through depopulation? Correct, and, and be neglected. Now, look, I've called to hundreds of houses in the Midwest area, uh, Navan and smaller towns and villages throughout the country, and, there are, and their needs are fairly similar. The main thing that occupies now uh, people in the houses that I call to, and that I called on my own, I didn't have a fleet of individuals with me, uh, so I listened to what I had to say. Now, let's put it this way. Burglaries and robberies was the number one uh, worry of the people. Loneliness was another problem. Now, these are the issues that affect people. And sometimes the kind of questions that I might be asked, or whether I have been asked by these people, is this is what worries them. Uh, and the, 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 the closed guard stations, the lack of guardie, uh, and particularly that they, can, that they don't see them on the street. Okay, John, but we know we know what the issues are. But what, what no, I want no, to hear from I, mean, I, I want to hear from you. What are the ideas? What are the policies that Renewer are putting forward to address these issues? But look, we have policies. Uh, but I just want to talk, if I may, if I, if you can allow me to talk about what I found on the doorstep. No, no, we, we, but what you're finding is what everyone else is finding. I want to hear what I is. I don't the, think so. For example, I haven't heard much talk about health and about uh, abort- abortion and the fear that people have uh, of euthanasia being, uh, being, being, being introduced 
and perhaps assisted suicide. Uh, These are matters that uh, I've heard at the doorstep and they're not being addressed, you see. I can ask the question as if, like, somehow or other, I'm an expert in what renewal is. John, I know, I know, we know what the issues are, but I want to hear ideas. I want to hear policies. What I'm saying to you is, if somebody was asked to vote for you and they said, what uh, uh, policies are renewal offering to the public? What would you say? They're offering a thinking choice, a choice not from the same old individuals that have been in power for ages. They're offering a choice to have policies to address the issues that affect people in Mead West. Right. That's not very convincing, John. I mean, let me also let me also put it to you that uh, Renew was founded by Lucinda Creighton in opposition to plans to, if you like, legalise abortion. That was determined by the public in a referendum. Do you accept now that the abortion issue has now been settled and that the people of Ireland have spoken on the matter and therefore your message on abortion, it's in real terms out of touch with what the majority of voters in this country want? Not a bit. Uh, uh, the, the secular agenda... Uh, is a, has 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 uh, uh, murders and 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 suicides have have gone out of odd proportion. Crime has gone out of proportion. So, you know, there's so many issues uh, that uh, we're dealing with simple issues from 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 the ground up. In other words, to get some bit of life back into the deserted towns and villages. We sure. have policies to address that, and I'm not going to go into it at the moment. Okay, John. I would have liked to sp- sp- uh, sp- speak about the, the problems that I found, and not the fact that everybody knows what they are. They do not know what they are. As a matter of fact, years ago, there wasn't uh, the, the, the times that people give out about the secular media and, 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 the, and the state broadcaster about uh, the 50s, 60s and 70s. Uh, there was very little crime at that time. OK, uh, but John, John, listen, yeah. look, because we're running out of time. Renewa doesn't have a party leader. You're struggling to get 1% in the polls. Is it not time for Renewa to basically pack it in? Not at all. We have, we have, we have candidates in, in constituency to try and make a difference. Uh, we have no intention of packing them. We put our names forward and we're hoping to try and garnish votes from people uh, that are not as, as pleased with the parties uh, that, that are in power and that have all these polls that the oh. three parties. Okay, John, so, I'm going I'm to give you, you John, I'm going to give you one minute to wrap it up. So, if people stopped you on the street and uh, said, "Why should I vote for John Malone of the Renewer Party?" What would you say? And give us one minute. I believe I can make changes in Dáil Éireann for the people of Mead West. I have a track record of building business. Many listeners will remember my company, Spot Dog Food. It takes leadership and trust to build successful companies. I've been community-focused all my life, helping Irish family businesses. I am pro-life. I will help to make towns in Mead West attractive to industry. I will deliver on justice, law reform, health and mental health, infrastructure and tourism for Mead West. I believe in reducing the retirement age for uh, manual workers in the in the industry. Very briefly, John. We will look now. Hold on. We will look at, at tariffs uh, for vegetable and meat uh, in, to impose tariffs on vegetable and meat imports uh, to make it uh, worthwhile for our farmers and vegetable growers to produce uh, sustainable jobs. And also, and this is very important. John, I've let uh, you go over a minute now. Come on. No, no, yeah, I'm just finished now. Thank you very much. Um, 
we 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 need to look at at, at temporary and long term measures for transport. I believe in holding need monthly meet, town meetings right, John. accountable to the community and know exactly what they want. OK, John. 300 videos. John, that's the longest minute in the history of Ireland. Come on, John. John Malone at Renew YouTube. All right. Policies. OK, we're going to leave it there. That's uh, John Malone from Old Castle, who's representing uh, Renewa in the Meath West constituency. Thank you very much indeed. OK, Marie, I believe you have more comments. Just one or two to get through. Tom from Kells. Will anyone be going around with their big jeeps to bring sick people who have no transport to vote? Or is that day gone? I, I don't think it's gone, no. I don't think it's gone, no. Depends who you're voting yeah, for, maybe. of course, yeah. Uh, another listener, Shay Kelleher from Dublin, says, Last Tuesday, a member of the public told about getting a polling card for a deceased member. My wife died in 2014. I have received a polling card for every election since she passed, despite me telling them... Does the left hand not know what the right hand is doing? That is shocking. Really bad, yeah. So thanks for that, Shay. We'll finish on that, Ken. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Keep those comments coming. Our phone number is 1850-715-958. Our text and WhatsApp number is 086-1800-658. More to come. We'll take a break. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, if you've been following the news over the last uh, number of days, you'll know that Sinn Féin has got itself into a bit of difficulty regarding the death of Paul Quinn back in 2007. Uh, the party's finance spokesperson and Stormont Conor Murphy was yesterday forced to say sorry for claiming IRA victim Paul Quinn uh, was a fuel smuggling criminal. This has caused immense upset to the Quinn family and uh, I'm joined on the line now by Breach Quinn, uh, Paul's mum from Cullihanna in South Armagh, just up the road from the Louth border, just over the road from the Monaghan border. So uh, we're, uh, I suppose we're extremely grateful to have you on the programme this morning, Bridge, because I know you're in big demand from the media. Let's go back to 2007. How did you feel when Conor Murphy told BBC Northern Ireland that Paul had been involved in criminality? I was completely shocked I really don't know how how I felt because I was in shock. Paul was more than my son. He he wasn't even buried at the time. The funeral mass hadn't taken place, and it's, it just it just floored me. How upsetting has this been for you and your husband and your wider family since then? So. A family has been torn apart, completely torn apart. As I said last night, uh, my husband doesn't go any place. He goes to the grave every day. Hail, rain or snow, and if it's raining, he'll park outside it and look in. What way was that? To leave us for 13 years with Conor Murphy's insults on a lad of 21 years of age. Well, now, this uh, tragic killing happened in 2007. Um, have Sinn Féin and the Republican movement, particularly in the South Armagh area, I mean, have they engaged with you at all since 2007? No. No. Not whatsoever. Never darkened our door. Never offered help. As I said, the only thing they done was to hurt us. 
Jerry Adams even uh, said that uh, Paul was a criminal. I want him now to come and apologise and to take the slur of Paul's name. Okay, you also you're, want Con- I, I, Conor Murphy has said he shouldn't have said what he said, but I want him to say that Paul was not a criminal. He hasn't said those words. He said he's sorry for what he said, but he didn't say that Paul was not a criminal. Now, Mary Lou has said it, Michelle O'Neill has said it, but Conor Murphy hasn't. Conor Murphy would say that he has apologised. Uh, is that enough? No, that's not enough. If he'll finish, if he'll do the apology the correct way that we need it, for him to come out and say, I'm sorry, Paul Quinn was not a criminal. I'm sorry for the hurt I have caused the family this past 13 years. When I knew, when I was saying it, that it was lies. Uh, Mary Lou MacDonald was on Virgin Media television last night and uh, Virgin Media, the presenter Colette Fitzpatrick, basically offered Mary Lou MacDonald your phone number and I believe Mary Mac- Lou MacDonald said she would contact you as of last night. Did she? Not yet. I have. I received a call from her, I would believe her secretary this morning. I was in the middle of my breakfast, so I couldn't speak to her. But I said I would uh, maybe this evening return her call. Okay, so at least do you accept that uh, 13 years on, Sinn Féin is putting its hands up and saying they called it wrong, that what they said was unfair, it caused a lot of hurt and upset. Do you accept the fact that Sinn Féin, if you like, is, is owning up to this? Uh, I have accepted uh, Mary Lou and Michelle O'Neill's uh, apology in saying that Paul wasn't a criminal. But what I can't accept and believe that Conor Murphy knew when he was calling Paul a criminal, he knew it was lies and he had kept that up for 13 years and put me through hell and my family. And yet... He has said sorry for what he done, but he knew when he was doing it that it was lies. Okay, if Mary Lou MacDonald... Sorry, go ahead. The reason he was saying it was to to protect the boys on the ground, as he called them. Uh, without naming, yeah, without naming names, do you think? I'm not. Na- I no, I wouldn't name anybody's name. Sure, but what I'm saying no. to you is, without naming names, do you think that Connor Murphy actually knows who carried out this killing? Yes, I sure do. I sure do. So, do you think perhaps uh, Connor Murphy needs to, if you like, be more engaging with the PSNI and the Garthy as to who he believes? might need to be, if you like, questioned on this. Yes. Conor Murphy needs now to go to the PSNI and the Gardaí. Give the names of those that he spoke to. He said he spoke to the IRA and Colleyhanna. Right? That they give him great assurance that they did not do it. And that it was 
uh, criminality and that everybody uh, knew that Paul was involved in criminality. Now, he said yesterday that uh, he's sorry for what he said, and but he didn't say that Paul wasn't a criminal, but he, and said he doesn't know why he said it. But I can understand if somebody says something off the top of their head today and realise then later on, I should not have said that. I, I'll go back and apologise. But he knew from the minute he said it that it was lies. And yet he put us through hell. You have no idea the, the life we've been living this past 13 years. No idea. So you take the view that uh, Conor Murphy, I think Conor is from Camlock in South Armagh, you take the yes. view that uh, he, to put a, a, if you like, a pretty blunt description on this, he is protecting people that he knows who you believe were involved in the killing. Yes, I have said that from day one. He said this to protect, as he called them, the boys that he spoke to in Cullihan, the boys on the ground. Okay, on the assumption that Mary Lou MacDonald is going to call you at some stage today, what will you yeah. say to her? Yeah, well, I don't know what I'm going to say to her because I know she'll probably be listening now and have a, a list written out of what she'll say to me. And I'm not cutting you short now or anything, but I'm going to ask for what I need Conor Murphy to do. I don't mean to be giving you a short answer, sure, if you know sure, what I mean. Sure, I know this is a very upsetting time for you, yes. So. Uh, I think Conor Murphy said yesterday as well that um, he will talk to you in due course. Is he welcome at your home? Not until he has uh, apologised and come out and said that Paul was not a criminal and that he... Uh, and when he goes to the PSNI and the RD and done all that we need him to do, I will speak to Conor Murphy. Whether it'll be at my front door or on the telephone, I don't know. OK, just one final question uh, before we, we close this. Um, a lot of names are being bandied around. Uh, you believe that you know who's responsible. You believe that Conor Murphy knows who's responsible. Are you disappointed in the performance of the PSNI in the investigation into this? Uh, no, not not really. Um, the PSNI and the Gardaí, they are both working uh, very hard at the moment. They keep in contact with us all the time. Uh, like, uh, we have information that won't go out uh, publicly yet. So, um, yes, we are happy enough with the PSNI and the Gardaí. Okay, look, this is a story, no doubt, we'll return to in due course. Um, If Mary Lou MacDonald does make contact with you, uh, let us know maybe uh, on Monday and we'll try and return to this. Okay, we're going to thank you very much indeed for taking our call. That's uh, Breege Quinn from Cullihanna there in South Armagh uh, talking about... uh, Connor Murphy's expression of regret over comments that he made that he, when he said that Paul Quinn was involved in criminality. Okay, more to come. We'll take a break. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Okay, we're back again and we're moving on now. Uh, we have uh, Drogheda-based Louth County Councillors Joanna Byrne of Sinn Féin and Mayor Paul Bell. Um, 
Councillor Byrne is actually putting forward a motion at the next meeting of Louth County Council calling for a review of the local authority housing anti-social behaviour policy and uh, Councillor Bell is also in favour of this. So this is, if you like, a Labour Sinn Féin joint initiative. Uh, Joanna Byrne, uh, who joins me in the studio, first of all, how bad is the situation, Joanna? Um, well, it, well, it's bad enough. I think that's pretty evident. Uh, you can just take off your headphones there, Joanna. Yep, that's okay. Um, I think I think days of late has showed that there is increasing levels of antisocial behaviour and it's actually not a motion in front of the council. It's actually an item of the agenda of the next housing SPC that I've called for a review of this. And I've done this in conjunction with the members of the Strategic Housing Policy Committee. As chair, I reached out to the members over the last couple of months and asked for ideas of what they thought we should be doing as a committee for the new term and this was a, a common objective. So I think there's a couple of areas of concern. Um, I suppose the fact that people in, in local authority housing are installing bulletproof windows is instilling fear in their neighbours. It's it's putting that um, idea that they are, could potentially be targets in, into neighbours and it's putting a lot of unrest and unease in people. The fact that some tenants are installing um, metal bars at the ends of their driveways, which is restricting access to Angarda Shiakana or cab or anything like that. They're areas of concern for me. And I think it's something as as a committee um, of Loud County Council that we need to look at. We need to see if the local authority has enough powers to deal with these issues. Sure. Yeah. The, the Mayor of Drogheda, Labour Councillor Paul Bell, joins us on the line. Uh, good morning, Paul. Um, how bad is this situation from uh, from your experience? Well, I just got the, the last part of what uh, Joanna was saying there. Uh, the situation is quite difficult, and uh, we believe uh, that the Lake County Council and the Gardaí O'Connor must work together to resolve some of these issues, including, by the way, where modifications are made to homes uh, without the permission of council, and what action council will take in that regard. There are various powers available to council to address some of these issues, uh, but over the last number of years, it's um, been quite, I suppose, less than satisfactory uh, in what's expected from local communities where people are committing criminality and they are tenants in council homes. Um, has this issue arisen from the recent feud, or if there was no feud, would this still be an issue anyway? This will still be an issue anyway. Uh, there may be some view in some circles, well, it's now county council, that these issues are only happening over the last couple of years. Uh, I can assure you, Ken, and uh, so Joanna will uh, confirm this, uh, that over uh, possibly the last five to six years, uh, maybe a little bit longer, these issues have been developing. Uh, and in some cases, there's a, a real serious concern amongst residents that they've been developing and not being checked and uh, no immediate action until things develop into a, a level whereby, whereby residents are saying, that they cannot cope and living in the area with this activity that's ongoing. And I do know that members of Angara Shiakona at the most senior level have expressed this to council as well. Uh, Joanna, if I can come back to you, uh, the whole issue of people making, if you like, applications to move from one estate to somewhere else. I mean, is it feasible on the basis that there's already a housing shortage? No, um, I think... It's very hard to get onto the local authority transfer list. There's currently 232 people throughout the entire county on that list. Now, most of the reasons for trans- being to be granted um, a transfer would be 
to developing sizes of families, additional children coming along, not enough bedrooms, the different sex of children of certain ages. Um, perhaps some people not being able to tackle stairs as they get older in life and they need to move to a bungalow or some people needing to downsize. Um, realistically, for people to be granted a transfer for antisocial behaviour would have to be in a very very extreme case and I would imagine it would have to be in support supported by Angarda Siakana. Uh, Paul, I mean... One could say that uh, increased Garda presence in various housing estates where there's a lot of anti-social behaviour would go a long way, if you like, to tackling this problem. Is that the way to go? Uh, I'm not convinced of that. Uh, I do know that the Garda need more resources. But I've always said that the anti-social behaviour and criminal behaviour in some of our estates in in the town of Drogheda can only be tackled by the community. And that means the Cardiacia Corner, the local authority, community groups. Uh, but for community groups that are confident uh, that they can resolve these issues, uh, then they have to be assured that the obviously the local authority itself and the Cardiacia Corner are resourced. But again, these issues generally uh, are resolved and ha- have been resolved in other parts of our country through a community effort. Uh, Joanne, if I can come back to you, I know from going to school and reading about planning and so on that where local authorities build just endless rows of houses, don't put in green areas like parks or playgrounds or sports facilities or indeed enough uh, shops and so on. Uh, This, if you like, lack of choice for young people in particular gives rise to antisocial behaviour. Don't local authorities themselves have questions to answer about the way life has evolved in this country because of planning decisions and lack of vision made in the 1970s and the 1980s? I'm sure they do, but I think as society is evolving, I'd like to think local authorities and indeed local authority members, public representatives like myself, we have a part to play in this as well. And as new developments are being designed, I think it's important that we have an input into how they are designed. For example, they need to be mixed tenure estates, not all social housing. They need to be affordable housing. They need to be cost rental. And I think if you mix the tenure of of developments going forward and include the, the, the necessities, as you say, is green parks, um, sh- shopping areas, complexes Sport and design. infrastructure. Infrastructure mm, sure. is extremely important and the Port Access Northern Cross route is essential to the development of this town. But I think all these things have to be factored and I think as society is evolving and we're moving forward, I think this is something that we're now more conscious of, more aware of and I think there's a lot more engagement and input into developments at design stages at the moment. Uh, Paul, I mean, the whole question of eviction, um, one could argue about the legality of it, but if people who are causing problems are evicted from, you know, a house in one estate and they're moved somewhere else, are you just simply moving the problem from place A to place B. But, but are they moved somewhere else, Ken? Well, uh, I mean, how do you propose to solve this? Well, I'm, I'm not proposing to, res- to resolve somebody being evicted. If, if, if people are living in council, uh, council homes or housing associations and they're evicted, there is no expectation for people then to be relocated to another area or, or another council home because the issue, you're rightly saying, uh, is being transferred. With regard to addiction, uh, people are not uh, ever evicted because they suffer from an addiction. Uh, that really needs to be treated by the health service executives. Uh, and unfortunately, the resources to treat people with addiction 
uh, it does not meet the demand. So, you know, there, there, there's two questions being answered there because at the end of the day, the people that uh, residents complain about within uh, communities are people who are actually involved in criminality, people who are supplying drugs, who have firearms at their disposal, who are involved in violent acts, and who may be intimidating the community. They're, they're the people that basically the local authority and the Gardaíshire corner have an interest in. Well, now, do you have any model to work off either elsewhere around the country or elsewhere around the world? In relation to which? In relation to dealing with the whole issue of antisocial behaviour. I think we should go away from the term antisocial behaviour. This is criminal behaviour. It may have an antisocial element to it. The model in in our country has been quite clear. It has been successful. Uh, And successful, by the way, maybe not to a 100% degree. But the model applied in Limerick and the model applied in inner city Dublin where basically it, they, those cities and those areas became no-go areas for citizens trying to go about that business. There was a police plan put in place. There was a plan by the local authority and social services and, and indeed to try and give those communities hope and ambition that they could actually get through this and have a normal community. And a normal community means that you have no fear of going about your daily business and there are services, services in those communities which can take care of the needs of the, of the community and the citizens, no matter what background they sure. come from. Okay, just one last question to you, Paul, before I go back to Joanna. I mean, it's now almost two weeks since the Stand Together rally in Drogheda. I mean, has it made a difference? I mean, do you feel locals are reassured? The temperature in the town seems to have dropped somewhat. There hasn't been any activity uh, since the killing uh, of the young Mulready Woods chap. And there's a feeling that this story has gone off the boil. Do you feel locals now feel a little bit safer? Uh, no, and I don't accept that there's, there's no ongoing activity. I believe there's always criminal activity ongoing. It may not be clear to the, uh, to, to the eye, uh, but I do believe that criminal activity is always ongoing, especially related to, to, to drug activity. Uh, the, the people of Drogheda, the citizens of Drogheda, have followed the call of, of myself and the local elected members of Drogheda Borough Council by com- basically coming together and stating what they expect from our legislators going into the 33rd doll. Uh, the message is quite clear because that message is echoed by other communities right across this country who are suffering uh, similarly to, to, to our people in Toronto. And the issue that we need to address, of course, is investing in communities, investing in young people, uh, and also having a proper and appropriate police response and judicial response to what, uh, what basically uh, are ongoing issues which are of okay. subversive nature. Okay, Paul, thanks very much indeed uh, for joining us. Just a few final questions uh, to you, Joanna. Uh, The fact that you've, uh, if you like, clubbed together with the Labour Party, is this a sign of things to come on other issues? I think this is is, is a cross-party um, consensus from the Housing Strategic Policy Committee, which there is representatives from, from every political party on. As I said, as chair, I did reach out to all members, and this was an, an area of concern for us to start with for the start of the term going forward. So it's oh. the first item in the agenda. OK, and finally, when exactly will this motion be put forward? To it, it's not a motion. It's um, an item on the agenda of the next Housing SPC, which I think is the 25th of March. OK, 25th of March. OK, we're going to leave it there. Thanks to the Mayor of Drogheda, Councillor Paul Bell, and uh, Joanna Byrne, who is a Sinn Féin councillor in Drogheda. More to come. We'll take a break. Michael Michael Reed. Reed.
on LMFM. Okay, we're back again. Marie, you have more comments from the text and phone machine. I do indeed, Ken. Well done to John from Renua. Says a listener, nice to hear a politician talking sense. The only party that dropped a leaflet through my letterbox that I actually cared to read. And a party that cares about our country's morals and traditions, which we are losing touch with. Another listener, why, Cassandra, why is there no mention of all the women who died and have been misdiagnosed due to the smear test scandal under Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil? Why are people and other parties or TV and radio presenters not raising this? Do these women not deserve this? Why is this being buried? Cassandra wants to know. Well, I don't think it is, to be honest. I don't think it is, but uh, I don't think it's coming up on the doorsteps for the politicians. Uh, Paul from Dundalk phoned in in relation to the Paul Quinn murder and your interview. As a strong supporter of Sinn Féin, he would like to say what happened to the young man was despicable, first of all. Secondly, he feels that Conor Murphy, who was in the third most senior position, should resign. And as a public Republican, he would like to say to Paul Quinn's family that he is so sorry. John listening in says what a waste of money on all the posters for the elections Ken having posters everywhere is not going to make you vote for any of them um, a listener wants to know why uh, are you dragging up the Paul Quinn murder 13 years later using this heinous crime for a hidden agenda I'm not well there's no hidden agenda this is the new story of the week that's that's the facts of the matter. It is indeed, and it's a story we have been covering ourselves over the years. And I mean, this family is still looking for answers, and that's the reality of the situation. Uh, Kay phoned in from Navin, want to congratulate the interview with Helen McIntyre this morning. Ken Murray is like a breath of fresh air. The show is excellent, and it's nice to hear Ken. That must be somebody related I, to I, I, I don't think I have any cousins uh, in Navin called Helen. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is your interview about with Helen. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I get um, my wires crossed there, yeah. We have an awful crime. That's the last one. We have an awful crime in Drogheda. Why are Leo Vradker and Michal Martin not talking about that? Well, of course they are and they they were in Drogheda for that Stand Together rally. So we leave it at then for the moment. Lots more where they came from and we'll get to some of them perhaps tomorrow. OK, thanks very much indeed, Marie. OK, we're moving on. We've got about uh, six or seven minutes left for our last... Um, our last interviewee, and I'm joined in studio now by, I think it's fair to say, a candidate with a difference. It's David Bradley, and David is what he calls a Christian voice in the loud constituency, which of course covers Eastmead, and he joins me in studio now. Thanks for coming in, David. Um, I see from reading your literature that uh, you're big into God, you're very religious, you're a man of the Bible. Uh, what are you telling uh, voters in the Loud Eastmead area as to why they should vote for you? Well, Ken, first of all, thanks very much for having me on and good morning to you. Um, the society in um, in Ireland, sadly, has um, declined in, in, the, in the respect of um, moral behaviour and uh, there's a lot, a, lot, a lot of problems in the country which... Um, unfortunately came in along with the Celtic tiger which died a death. Uh, People often speak about Holy Catholic Ireland in a very negative way but to me it wasn't wasn't negative altogether because in those days people respected their spiritual leaders, they um, respected each other, you could leave your doors open and there's a great community spirit. Now that is not altogether gone but it has declined to a very sad extent. 
I, I want people to think about getting back to basics, to bring God back into their lives and into their families, and to um, bringing back old-fashioned standards um, in, 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 with a view to bringing families closer together. And that is, that is uh, one of my okay, objectives. Okay, well, you, yeah. you, you're clearly uh, a man of God. You, know, mm. you say in your literature that we should include God in our decision-making. Mm. Mm. I mean, some people might say, what does that mean? Well, um, God is in charge of the country, um, a lot of people uh, may may not believe that, but well, that if that's is, the case, that is, fact. is yeah. God then responsible for the mess we're in in terms of housing and health uh, issues in the health service and waiting lists and so on? No, God isn't. We we were all given free will, and um, to a large extent, we've we've messed up, and uh, we have to be answerable for that. But the, you know, the, the, it's not too late to move forward with uh, a better set of objectives and with a view to. Correct, correcting the path. Okay, I yeah. mean, let's let's uh, let's get down to, you know, let's get down to the real issues mm. here. I mm. mean, I've been reading up on this, and and, mm. and the record shows that as educational attainment has risen in Ireland, mm. interest mm. in religion has declined. The world mm. is moving on. I mean, you seem to be mm. sort of saying we should go back to the nineteen sixties when you know we we adored the ground that mm. priests walked on. We were very religious. We never missed mass. People don't have the same faith anymore. You seem to want to bring us back to that particular period. I, I wouldn't quite want that, uh, Ked. No, no. Um, I mean, it's, it's uh, priests, priests and men, but um, like leaders of all denominations, they they have they have Christian denominations. They have something to teach that is worth listening to. Uh, most of them do, not all of them. But okay, I well, mean, in respect of the the leadership of the country, I mean. We have a leader who was in here in Drogheda two weeks ago at the anti-drugs rally. Now, I, I believe that a, a leader of a country or a, anybody going for public office should have a squeaky clean reputation. I just want to say that you call yourself a Christian mm. voice mm. in the loud East Mead constituency. Do you have any ideas, any policies to offer the electorate? Well, as, as I've set out in my in my in, in my flyer, I, I have a, uh, I'm very very concerned about social issues. And yeah, but if, do you have any ideas? Yeah. Everyone's concerned about social issues. Yeah. We want to hear ideas. Any, do you have ideas? Any ideas? Well, I, I certainly uh, would encourage for people not to be as tolerant as they have been. The Irish people have been too uh, too laid back in accepting the disastrous um, policies that have been implemented in this country. We need we need to speak up more. And say enough is enough, you know. Okay, but you're not offering ideas. Uh, that's what the public want to hear. I don't. I don't have any specific ideas. But okay. Well, yeah. l- just let me give you one minute then. Yeah, In yeah, one yeah. minute, because we're yeah. wrapping, uh, wrapping, the, yeah, wrapping. Okay. Okay. Yeah, wrapping this up very, very, very okay, briefly. Okay. Why should people vote for David Bradley in the Loud East Mead constituency? Because I am. I am the only candidate uh, in out out of fifteen who has mentioned uh, God on my flyers. No. But uh, not everybody believes in God. I I I know that, but uh, as I said before, God is in charge of this country, and we need to bring God back into our lives in order to make the country a better place. That okay. is my belief, and I know a lot of people are going along with me on that. Okay, so what you're saying is a vote for David Bradley is a vote for God. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we're going to leave it there. Thanks very much indeed for coming in. That's uh, David Bradley, who is a Christian voice in the Loud Eastmeath constituency. And that just about wraps it up for this morning. I want to thank Maggie McGuire, Marie Kearns, who put the programme together, Paul McKenna on sound. I'll be back again tomorrow morning. 
The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.